0: Hello and welcome to the Curious Life podcast. My name is Yana Firestone. The transgender community are among the most marginalized groups in the world. Despite a recent rise in visibility, thanks in part to pop culture and public personas such as Caitlyn Jenner, Laverne Cox and Chaz Bono, there are still many misconceptions about the community and the challenges they've faced both privately, publicly and legally. On this episode, we talk with Catherine Wolfgram a transgender woman who transitioned almost 30 years ago, long before the term trans was used as a widely accepted gender identity. Catherine shares some of her stories and struggles, her incredible achievements and legacies, all with a laugh and plenty of good humour, despite having been through some of the biggest challenges a person can face. Catherine is an absolute delight, and I'm sure you'll enjoy her candour and tongue-in-cheek responses as we dive into her personal experience as a transgender woman in a time of great change. Just a little bit of housekeeping though before we get started, as we are a small outfit, every review really helps us to reach a larger audience. So if you like this episode then please don't forget to give us a rating or a review, it really does make a difference. You can also join in the conversation by finding us on Facebook or on Instagram at The Curious Life Podcast. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. welcome to the Curious Life podcast. My name is Yana Firestone. Having worked as a therapist with a number of trans youth and their families across various stages of transition, it's an area that's close to my heart. And who better to talk about trans and gender diversity issues than Catherine Wolfgram, someone who has lived it herself and is now an award-winning trans advocate, gender diversity consultant, educator, and presenter. Catherine, welcome to the Curious Life Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Anna. It's great to be
0: here. Well, thank you. Now, as I mentioned briefly in the intro, you're a transgender woman who transitioned 30 years ago. And this was obviously long before we had the language to explain gender dysphoria. And, you know, there wasn't much of an understanding about the condition. So can you tell us, you know, a little bit about your journey?
1: Sure. I transitioned in 1990. So, Next year will be the 30th anniversary
0: wow. since
1: I, I became Catherine, and so much has changed since that time. You know, I, I think in 1990, even though there are a few rights in place, like two years before I transitioned, you had to carry a letter around from the doctors saying that you were trans. If not, the police could search you, and if you're wearing women's underwear, you'd be arrested. Wow. Yes, yeah, so okay. that, um, that sort of, that's the sort of discrimination that trans people faced in the 80s. And it got worse in the 70s and 60s and 50s. And, of course, in the 1960s, they, they were just battling to survive mm. uh, because they were told totally and the police were trained to beat them and arrest them and discourage them from being trans. So we, we have come a long way and they had come a long way in 1990. And then in 1996, I guess, the law changed and the trans was, transgender and gender diversity was added to the anti-discrimination law and the anti-vilification law. Yeah. And almost overnight people had to shut up, mm-hmm. but it didn't actually stop them from silently discriminating, but verbally discriminating against you was all of a sudden against the law, and it did really change. I found um, a great change after that. There, there, there was more silence and less abuse. Of course, the, it was still prevalent, but it, it was much less than than what it was. So my family naturally thought they were just cursed, that God singled them out to curse them with a transgender child. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I'm sure I wasn't the only family to feel that way. I'm sure many Christian homes felt that sort of, that somehow Satan snuck in Mm -hmm. and and that we were possessed by the devil and blasphemy to God. It was really, you know, Mm. it was our normal. (laughs) But looking back, it is quite shocking, you know, to think that people could think those things uh, about us. That was just normal. Mm -hmm. It was normal to be discriminated against like hormone blockers another interesting thing do you remember last year the parents of trans kids won in the high court so that their children could have hormone blockers to stop puberty
0: Mm -hmm. without having to go in front of the court is that right yes that's
1: right so you know so i mean a hormone blocker i have to say is not you know it's not a surgical thing it's just stopping puberty from coming on because those kids are going to go on as adults to transition properly, mm-hmm. and you, you know, it's 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 better for them to to not go through a male puberty if they
0: intend to be women. Yes, it makes
1: perfect sense. And, yeah, but for us to access that in the nineties. We had to be considered sex perverts to be able to get it on the wow. uh, on the what's that thing called the medical like
0: the you know, medical where, register or
1: you know if you don't if you're not registered as a sex offender and pervert then you have to pay five hundred dollars for the medication yeah but yeah. on the list public on list, the list. Is that all?
0: yeah so so to get the rebates.
1: Yeah, yeah, so to, to be able to pay the 20-odd dollars that you pay for hormone blockers, yeah. you had to be registered as a sex pervert. Wow. And we didn't care. <laughs> I, well, we just, <laughs> just give me the hormones. Actually, yeah, just give me my drugs. <laughs> and, uh, and it was really, you know, we were already on the fringes of of society, so really did you know, <laughs> well, what's, what's sex pervert when you throw everything else? <laughs> but now it's
0: a shocking thing to even think Absolutely, about yeah. And, you I mean, we, we joke about it but, you know, it must have been an incredibly isolating time, you know, for you growing up and yeah. as a young person transitioning to experience, you know, Absolutely. all of that. Yeah. Well, I
1: thought I was trans from the age of, well, my first I didn't I actually thought I was a girl, mm-hmm. and my first memory is being told that I wasn't. Wow! So, so that's um, you know, gender dysphoria is real. These trans yeah. kids—they're telling the truth. Yeah. The difference with today and when and yesterday is that they didn't have access to information.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I grew up extremely unhappy and extremely isolated. Mm-hmm. The lucky thing is, is I'm really stubborn. So. <laughs> You know I, I you know rather than think anything else I just thought everyone else everyone was wrong and they'd find out one day that I was telling the truth mm-hmm. you know but not all kids are can think the way that I thought you know
0: yeah
1: and that's why they get suicidal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know because there's all all humans are different and their degrees of resilience are different yeah you know the suicide rate amongst trans is 35 percent yeah. And and the highest concentration of the suicide attempts are um children and youth. Yes.
0: So, yes.
1: you know, with more information and support, I believe that we will be able to reduce that number. You know, and it takes people such as yourself and such as myself to help educate people about trans kids, you know. I just I just emphatically have to say that, you know, the trans experience is real, otherwise there wouldn't be so many of us. Yeah. <laughs> and trans kids are telling the truth. And their parents are not actually spoiling them. Their parents are listening to them and they just want their children to be happy. And that's all a parent really wants for their children, isn't it?
0: Well you would hope so. And I mean unfortunately we do see sometimes that parents don't want to accept what their child is telling them. And I think you know, as you was, as you touched on before, given the exceedingly high suicide rates amongst trans youth and kids, you know, one of the things that I certainly, you know, have been advocating for is for parents to just listen and accept who their kids are saying that they are because, you know, what's the harm in just saying, you know what, let's go with it because their mental health is at risk here. And if they're still of that old world mentality where they believe, oh, it could be a phase or whatever, my thinking is, well, what's the harm in just letting them have their quote-unquote phase well, they, then? Well, they and, say let
1: kids be kids, but, yeah. they're, but they're not really meaning let kids be. They just let some kids be kids, let most yeah. kids be kids, and let yeah. the others suffer. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, we, need, we, we all have a social responsibility to – let all children develop, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not just kids that are heteronormative. You know, mm. we we really must let all children be be happy, you know, and it, it it helps them for their future mental growth and their spiritual growth and all those things so they can be happy and whole. Yeah.
0: And I think really cruel cool for
1: people to ignore that when they have all of the information in front of them. That's right. Yeah, they, yeah. they actually know that these kids will attempt to commit suicide, but they don't care yeah. because they're not
2: heteronormative. It's sort of, it's really mm.
1: criminal. And it's, it's criminal that it's been going on, you know, for, for, for so long, for centuries. It's just yeah, I find it criminal that for hundreds and hundreds of years that families from religious backgrounds have allowed these trans children to leave home and survive on their wits and the streets and everything else Mm. because it goes against their religious values. It's Mm -hmm. sort of, it's like, but it goes against your religious values because, Mm -hmm. like, aren't you meant to take care of all humans? Yeah. You know, like, and, and that's also the other problem too is, Back in the day, they thought black people were contagious mm-hmm. and, and you could catch germs from them. And then they thought gay people were contagious and mm-hmm. you could catch gayness from them. And, you know, with education, they've come to realise that's a load of codswallop. But now <laughs> they're trying to say the trans children are contagious.
0: Yes. And it's like, yeah. oh,
1: my God, you know, the only children that are contagious are the non-vaxxers, you know, are <laughs> <laughs> the anti-vaxxers, you know. Yeah. The poor kids, whose parents won't let them get vaccinated.
0: They're the only contagious children I know of. Absolutely. I think you've touched on a number of really important points there. And one thing that a lot of people don't realise is that in many Indigenous cultures across the world, there have always been more than two genders and you know there's evidence Correct. to
1: and and it reduced and it's because of the colonization of the world mm-hmm. and the new religious values those third genders were pushed to the edges of society they they were deemed illegal and, and, and an example of that are the Hydra of india mm-hmm. they were actually the teachers their role in society was to teach
2: and religious roles within, within Hindu and Mughal society. And when the British came, because it was against British religion, mm-hmm. with the flick of a pen, they made all trans people in India illegal and they turned them off their properties to beg on the streets. Wow. Yeah, And it's the Raj
1: finished, you know, it's been nearly 100 years since the Raj left India. And the Indian trans people are just coming into their own now. So mm-hmm. they're coming back into Indian society, but it's taken them a very, very long time. And it has been with the help of the gay and lesbian community in India, they realise this injustice that has been brought upon their transgender people. And two days ago, I think, of this interview, a, the first transgender woman MP to federal parliament in India, was elected. Wow. wow. So, you know, I think with the decline of religions, it has allowed trans people now to to come into their own. Yeah. Although, you know, there's some, there, there has been exceptions. Did you know in Iran that transgender people have, to, have had the same rights as women since the 1960s or 70s?
0: Wow. No, I did not know that.
1: Yes, when the Shah of Iran was ousted from power, the Ayatollah Khomeini came in as the head of the Iranian government, and one of his first decrees was to make transgender women give them the same status as women, marriage, Mm. everything else, because he believed that Allah had created trans women, therefore they had to be accepted in society, And, and that's that, but that's a great exception. I mean, you know, if I got off at any airport at most of those Middle Eastern countries, I'd be a pile of stones in 10 minutes. <laughs> 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 I'd be under a pile of stones in 10 minutes, you know. But but in, in Iran, it's a different story, which is really fabulous because I do love, I have a fascination with historical jewellery and in, in the bank of Tehran is the the Crown Jewels of Persia, and it's a legendary collection greater than the British Crown Jewels. Wow. Um, yeah, none of us have ever heard of it, though, mm. but, it's, um, but it's fabled and it's enormous, and I, I can't wait to see it. I'll have to – I really would like to go there and see it one day. And it's nice to know that I won't be persecuted there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It's interesting, you know, talking about, I guess, cultural perceptions of gender. And, you know, I know that like in Thailand, when transgender kids are born into families and they're usually with Buddhist backgrounds, they're very much revered and it's seen as like a spiritual gift to receive a child.
1: You know, I don't think in any culture it's something that is encouraged.
0: Mm. So,
1: so you know, no one wants their child to be trans Not so much because they're trans But because of what they might go through Yeah, yeah You know, and so it's not something that, you know Oh, we, we need a trans child sort of a thing But it's like, oh, good, you know, we've been sent a trans child Yeah Therefore, we must respect that, you know And often the role of trans people in other, in cultures before colonialisation The role was very spiritual Mm-hmm. And you know, judges, teachers, priests, priestesses, and that's always that seems to be the underlying connection between all the cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, the, is the spiritual role that the trans people play in their communities,
0: right? Okay, well, but
1: those communities, though, are changing too. Mm-hmm. So, the Tonga Ladies Association, which is the trans women of Tonga, mm-hmm. they're, they're amazing because they. Tonga was the only country in the Pacific that wasn't colonised by the British or the Americans or the Germans. Right. And so they have their own sovereignty and they retain their own customs and the transgender women there have a role within their society. So they're a lot stronger and they, their voice is greater than other, you know, Pacific nations and, and, you know, they know who they are, they know what they want and, you know, they they fall under the protection of the royal family of Tonga. Wow, okay. And their role is very much to, yeah, it's a very useful role within the communities. and So it's very interesting to see what could have been for all the other transgender communities throughout the Pacific
0: Mm.
1: had colonisation not occurred.
0: Wow, yeah, oh. fascinating. I mean, you yourself, you're you are from, am I mistaken in remembering that you're from a long line of Fijian royalty yourself? <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> my family, I'm from Fiji mm-hmm. and I think Fiji trans culture
2: was slightly different because they're Melanesian. Mm-hmm.
1: So the Melanesian culture, they probably ate them because they were all cannibals. <laughs> the Melanesian. Melanesians ate people, and the Polynesians didn't, and that was the difference in the Pacific between the two. And so, you know, so I'm not sure if trans people were around. I, you know, they might have eaten them all as soon as they popped out. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. But yeah, no, I am from a long. I'm from a very old Fijian family. My family was defeated in battle during a civil war and the person that defeated us after my family's defeat went on to be crowned king of Fiji.
0: Wow.
1: So we're very historical. Mm. Um, so, you
0: know, that's, that's nice. I'm
1: very proud of
0: that. <laughs> well, I mean, your family continues to be historical now thanks to you because, you know, at the age of 23, you became the first transgender woman to legally obtain a female name in Fiji, and that changed things forever now for future yes. trans women. Yes. And well,
1: well, you know, it's sort of I went to Fiji and, well, I, I actually applied for this in, in Australia at the Fijian embassy mm-hmm. and they were sort of shocked and they really, you know, they were like, oh, but um, I just nagged them and nagged them and nagged them until they gave in and they said they'd send off the form mm-hmm. and, and then the Solicitor General saw it and he said, no, she's not getting anything, I have to see her in real life. <laughs> and so I had to fly over on an emergency passport. And then when I got there, all the doors were shut to me. Wow. And so I was I was there for two weeks and there was like this reason and that reason. And it was actually my uncle who stepped in mm-hmm. and they the family decided to stand behind me and my request. Wow. So and you know, that's the thing, like with support. Uh, you can change laws, you can create precedent, you can do amazing things if you mm. if you are supported. And, I um, well, you know, when the family stood behind me, I think the government was just like, oh, just give her what she wants so she can go away. <laughs> 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 and I did speak to my uncle about because we do talk about it sometimes. Yeah. And, oh, well, it wasn't cheap either. You know, I did have to pay for all of this, all the legal fees and everything, and it, it was a long time, you know. But he said to me, because... Because I was the first. And he said, Catherine, to be honest, I think you just took everyone by surprise. I think the government was shocked by the audacity of your request. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't know really what to do. Wow. Uh, So inadvertently, all I wanted was that on my passport, but it was actually them that changed the birth certificate and everything else, you know. and which set precedent for the rest of the transgender community in Fiji. It's quite a good legacy, isn't it? It's
0: an incredible legacy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I didn't talk about it for a very long time because of the PTSD. I was very stressed by it, not so much by what I did. I was very stressed by the reactions of Fijians in Fiji because the order came down through the Solicitor General, so everyone had to carry out his orders, mm-hmm. you know, in the government departments, but it was against their will. Right, Yeah. And I could see it was against their will while they were doing it and they were being very passive-aggressive about it. And even right up until I left the country, you know, the airport, the people at the airport was furious when they stamped my visa because wow. they knew I was coming. When they stamped my exit, mm-hmm. they knew... You know so, yeah. And I found that quite distressing That I had forced people against their will To do something But my will was greater than theirs You know, yeah. I just didn't want to embarrass my boyfriend At all the airports around the world <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you, get, you know, embarrassing your boyfriend You get a lot done
2: Absolutely <laughs>
1: when you're in love <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, um,
0: oh. Yeah. But I'm glad it's done. Yeah. Okay. And as tough as it was for you to go through, really, I mean, you're a change maker. And these are the things that people will remember. And any young transgender person growing up in Fiji will have their lives made that little bit easier because of what you went through.
1: Well, you know, it kind of changed after that. If Fiji. Was one of the first constitutions in the world to actually add lgbt to their constitution wow which was later that year so yeah the you know there's a knock-on effect there's a ripple effect that you have but i think that's always important for everyone to remember you know not regardless of gender mm-hmm. is that you know just by existing we create change yeah, yeah You know, and that change can be for the good Or that change can be for the bad yeah. You know, and that, that's entirely up to us But our very existence creates change, you know And, and, and our actions can mm. cause repercussions across across the world Across the Pacific
0: Yeah, absolutely yeah. And you know, that's not that's not the only legal action you've taken in your lifetime Do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened last year?
1: Yeah, sure. So on my behalf, pro bono, Alan's, uh, you know, Alan's the commercial lawyers, mm-hmm. They're top four in, in Asia. Like, big, mm-hmm. huge. You don't want a letter from Allen's, <laughs> And they represented me and sent legal letters out to every company across New South Wales and Canberra that that were using... The T word. Mm-hmm. It's a, It's a. I don't want to use the word. It's sort of. Yes. Yeah. It's got to go. But it's an abbreviation of trans, uh, mm-hmm. transsexual. That, and it was made into an abbreviation. And to stop using it in their promotional stuff. You mm-hmm. know, it was like blackface. They had uh, drag queens running around and calling themselves trans and making fun of themselves and. You know, which really is, you know, they weren't making fun of themselves at all. They were making fun of trans people. It was like blackface, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, and the problem is that they went out into the straight culture. It became a part of, you know, a weeknight at a pub Mm -hmm. across Australia to go and do bingo with these people. Mm -hmm. And, And they were allowed to use the word... So yeah. that word crossed, left the LGBT community and went into the heterosexual vernacular. Yeah. And and then eventually it was taken over by transphobic people. So all of a sudden that word that was merely an abbreviation mm-hmm. became a word of hate, specifically aimed at young transgender women yeah. so instead of being called sluts or whores they were called the t-word you know mm-hmm. filthy t you disgusting t you're nothing better and it actually became a part of you know normal abusive language yeah so the only way
2: sometimes with these words such as the n-word mm-hmm. the only way to stop it is to take ownership of it mm-hmm. to
1: take ownership back yeah so it was like right you got to stop, and it sent a clear message across the country. No business in Australia uses that word anymore. Wow! So it was a difficult thing because you know some of these legal letters went to people within the LGBT community as well as the, uh, the heterosexual clubs and pubs that were hosting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it just had to stop. Yeah, and you know, which caused a lot of. Friction and factions and fractions and, fractions mm-hmm. and fractures within, the, within my community. Yeah. Eventually, everyone realized I was right, mm-hmm. but it took a long time and it, it took a toll on me emotionally and spiritually. You know, it's hard
0: yeah. to, to be a loved member of your community and then suddenly be, be turned on and be criticized for something that you know is right. Yeah, and probably the most challenging part of that is you're probably being, you're getting the backlash from people that are not actually transgender themselves.
1: Absolutely, they were telling me they told me not to, you know, it was like, yeah. you shouldn't be offended. You should feel this. And it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, now I know how those 1950s housewives <laughs> felt because I'm being patronised by a bunch of misogynists. And then I had to really question my role within my community. Like, mm. like was it so ornamental that what yeah. I thought did not matter? Yeah. You know, and, and like, you you, and it was very, it was, you know, it was a very difficult time. But, but the legacy is, is that I affected language across the country, and I get thanked by young transgender women whenever I see them.
0: Wow! Yeah. <laughs> like, what an amazing and, achievement!
1: Yeah, they say thank you for what you've done for us. Yeah,
0: you know,
1: and that makes it all worthwhile. Mm. And um, now, you know. Scared people, they call me a feminist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that dirty word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I go and I, I speak a lot of it at events and schools and things like that and I've actually been invited to talk a lot about modern-day feminism because mm. apparently this is this is modern-day feminism to, to stand up and demand equality for all genders you know
2: not just you know and 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 i think it's really important to do that i i did struggle with the word i have to admit you know when (laughs) i
1: first i first spoke on a panel of feminists during queer thinking Mm -hmm. um during the mardi gras festival and when they asked me, I was like, oh my God, feminist. I was like, oh, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? And I, and I you know, I've got beautiful long hair and I have, you know, I wear gorgeous caf and lots of makeup. And I thought, am I a feminist? <laughs> but now I know what feminism is. So, yeah. And I think people shouldn't be so scared of it. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and it's hard to say no sometimes to things.
0: You mm-hmm. know,
1: there's these students that they they're actually filming. They're doing a documentary on trans people of color and non-binary people, mm-hmm. and the focus is on feminism. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm so busy already, and it's like, oh my god, I don't have time. You know, between speaking at banks and institutions, and then, but how can you say no? Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and and like you said, everything that you're doing has a flow-on effect. So the work that you're doing today, you know, you never know what that's going to do for other people 5, 10, 20 years down the track.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I got awarded an Australian LGBTI award just during Mardi Gras season, and it's Hmm. the most prestigious gay awards in the country, LGBTI awards in the country. Like it's, there's no nothing more lavish, there's nothing higher than this award within the LGBT community. And in my acceptance speech, I did say that we stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, because they paved the way for us. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't see the future mm. so that we could sit on their shoulders and see the way ahead. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we get older we become the giants of the future children and, yeah. and we have to open the pathways and open the doors and you know and that's
0: Absolutely.
1: That's that's, that's what we leave behind, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I, I think that's incredible for you personally and the community in general things have come a long way. But unfortunately, there still seems to be, I don't know, misconceptions, shall we say, from, in my experience, a lot of the older generation of medical practitioners and people who maybe don't have a lot of contact with the trans community. And some of the things that really, really get under my skin, and I can only imagine how it makes you feel, are things like Comments where they're confusing the issue between gender identity and sexual identity because they're yes. two completely separate things, aren't they?
1: Well, exactly. You know, like and an example of that is that trans is a gender.
2: So, mm-hmm. so trans is a gender, same as male and female. Yeah. But within that gender you can be LGBTQI or heterosexual, yeah. you know, like, like it's like that's the difference, and and
1: LGBT and age and whatever, but sexualities yeah. fit into the gender which is trans. Yes. And um, which how you know, I never understood a trans woman being a lesbian. I
0: thought,
1: <laughs> oh, why would you go to all that trouble and do you know? And that's how I thought until I realised that trans wasn't a sexuality, that it was actually a gender, and you will have some lesbians.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, you will have some you know, yeah. that's just how it is. And once you sort of get your head around that, then it's much easier to understand other things. But what you're talking about is correct. There is a lot of gatekeeping going on, especially by the older community. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they there's always an objection for trans, you know, they don't, you know, it doesn't exist because they don't understand it. Like, and there's a very well-known, medical professionals, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's like, oh my goodness me. Yeah. You know, it's not for you to understand. Yeah. Like it's 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 actually not for you to understand. Of course you are not going to understand. You're not transgender. Yes. Yeah. You know, you how are you supposed you know, you're supposed to accept just mm-hmm. like you accept leprosy. You don't know what leprosy <laughs> feels like. <laughs> but it exists. Sure. Well, you know, that maybe that's an extreme Something else, should yeah. Be nicer. But but I just as a like, you don't have to go through the experience, yeah, to know that it exists. Yes, like that. That's very prejudiced, and that's prejudiced, yeah. That's textbook prejudiced. You know, by judging other people by your own views. That's the. You know, we both studied that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I um, maybe yeah. an extension of that is. You know, one of the other things that I, I hear quite often in my work is that, you know, oh, if this person is trans, that, you know, they must have suffered a trauma in their life and that's the cause of oh, this yes, outcome.
1: We all, got, <laughs> we all got molested. That's right. We were all molested as children. Isn't that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard?
0: Yes. Like,
1: like, <laughs> we trans people naturally occurring. So just like a left-handed and right-handed person, we occur... In that way. And we're very rare. It's not like, you know, we're just very visible these days, but we're very, very, very rare as yeah. a as a natural phenomenon. We would be such a small percent of the population, less than every minority except. So I think needs to be remembered that we're not our population, because we're naturally occurring, it's always been around the same percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. We've always remained, you know, like 0.0001% of the population. And, you know, as others die, others are born. And, you know, that's, and that alone should show people that we are natural, you know, that, that what we go through is valid. The reason why it seems like there's a lot of this these days is because more people have the courage to to come forth and and talk about these things. And the reason why we have come forward is to change things for all of us, for the betterment of our community.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, some of these people might argue that, well, you know, we do see with a lot of trans people that there is, you know, depression and anxiety and suicidality. And in my experience, that's usually a result of being trans and not being accepted rather than that being the cause of their transgender status. Well,
1: the World Health Organization struck gender diversity off the mental health list, yeah. which means that they believe our brains are healthy. Mm-hmm. I believe our brains are healthy, but I think that there are environmental issues that can cause mental health issues. You know, so the discrimination that is constantly faced, you know, that would that would that would cause emotional trauma and mental trauma on someone, you know, and distress. Yeah. And if you're constantly distressed, it would affect your mental health. Absolutely. And also to the financial problems of trans equality in employment, mm-hmm.
0: you know, to be forced into and to be like to have enforced poverty upon you. Mm-hmm. Like to go from the middle classes to suddenly being, okay, you're unemployable, you know, that has to have some mental effect on on your well-being. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the struggling, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice to becoming trans, but the actual being trans is not a mental health issue.
0: Absolutely, yeah. But
1: the environment, it causes it. So, yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. That's a part of my training. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tra- when I train people, it's all, it all comes up. I've got graphs, PowerPoint <laughs> graphs and all that. Yeah. Oh,
0: and excellent. a very
1: important thing to touch on Yeah, um, yeah. when you're looking at these things. And, and also, but, you know, you've got to look at the problem too is when a trans person first transitions, they don't look like women mm. or men. They've got a long way to go. Yeah. And that's when they face most of their discrimination, particularly when it comes to employment, because people don't judge them Mm -hmm. on their merits. They judge them on their looks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that's really unfair.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, it's really unfair that, you know, one person is not going to be employed because everyone in the office will feel uncomfortable because of her bad (laughs) (laughs) wig. You know, and so she continues to have bad wigs. Yeah because no one wants to employ. You know it's it's a vicious circle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and that's why I call it an enforced poverty mm-hmm. um because it is enforced. Yeah. You know by not employing her, she's forced to be poor. Yeah. Yeah. Or him mm-hmm. by not employing that person. So you know this I think it's a real issue and you know when you look at trans people only the very best looking allowed in yeah. to to normal society. Yeah. And I feel that it's something where we need to change that attitude.
0: Absolutely. So acceptance for the trans community in general, not just looking at people like Caitlyn Jenner and the people that have the money to be glamorous. and That's
1: right. Yeah. You know, that's right. You've got to, it's, you know, it's a very small percentage of people that are beautiful and glamorous. Yeah, and that's and that's in any gender. Yeah, (laughs)
0: and in any
1: population. Ain't
0: that the truth? (laughs) Yeah, and
1: so you know, and but everyone else gets employed except trans people. Yeah. So there's there's an extreme unfairness to that, and I hope that's my next push, and Mm. I hope that that changes soon.
0: Yeah, I,
1: I hope that that changes in the near future.
0: Well, on that, what can trans allies and advocates or just people in the wider community in general, what can we all do to support the trans community?
1: It's all about education. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you hear someone saying something bad about a trans person or or not about the trans, but, you know, derogatory about their gender, you just go, oh, that's not right. Mhm. Yeah, that's, that's wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, just point out to them. Yeah. Because they probably know it's wrong. But- yeah they think it's, you know, they'll get away with it, but if you don't let them get away with it, they will stop Mm -hmm. and the other way that you can do it is when the media reports things unfairly about trans people you know, when they write horrible things or derogatory things, it doesn't hurt to complain about it to the media outlet You know, Mm -hmm. like this is not right, this is not fair, and the press council and things like that, and and let them know that this is not, this is not right, and this is not how we should think. And you know, yeah. I think the other way that you could be a good ally is just give a trans person a fair go. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't say give them special treatment, but just like look at their references and look at their resumes and look at it fairly. You yeah. know, with, without looking at their appearances or whatever or or thinking about the discomfort of other people in the office their discomfort will go yeah it's it's about i think in this era we must we must really be aware
0: of the humanity of transgender people and that they are actually human beings and not objects and not objects of fascination either just humans trying to
1: you know navigate their way through life like everybody else absolutely yeah yeah and and i think that you need to be conscious of that always as an ally
2: you know sometimes um special treatment can have adverse effects you know and and it's uh, because then you start you fall into the nannying Mm -hmm. you
1: know and you need to be empowering and empowering someone is is allowing them a platform to speak yeah giving them a voice you Mm -hmm. know when they're not being heard speak for them yeah but once people are silenced and they're listening give the platform over to the trans person so they can be heard
0: yeah and 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 just remember that they are humans and i think that's very important absolutely and i think that's a great message to finish on And just before, before we go, there's two things. I wonder if you'll play along because we like to talk about, you know, some pretty heavy issues in these podcasts. We've got a little segment called what they said. The idea is I'll ask you three questions, just whatever comes to the top of your mind and we'll just see how we go. You ready, Catherine, to to play what they said? All right. All right, I'll go easy on you. So if you could witness any event, past, present, future, what would it be and why? Oh,
1: I think I would love to. Oh, let me think there's so many, though, (laughs) for any reason or anything.
0: Yeah, any reason, anything, any historical event, any personal
1: event. Well, I think I would have liked to, uh, well, I'd really like, historically, I'd love to have gone and see Jesus speak. Mm. And, you know, to find out, you know, if if the history books are correct. Was he that charismatic and was he that good and was he that kind? Mm. You know, I'd I'd love to. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting.
0: Great, great answer. And what would your teenage self be most proud of today?
1: Well, I think my teenage self would just be proud that I am a woman mm-hmm. and that I'm happy and I'm content. Well, I don't think that would be. I remember there was a dream. Can I, can I expand a little
0: bit? Absolutely. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can talk underwater. So my, when, when I was 14 and my dysphoria was at its greatest and I was, at my deepest, deepest unhappiness, I had a dream. Mm -hmm. And in that dream, I was told to look in the mirror and see myself. And I saw a woman. I didn't just see a woman. I saw a beautiful woman. I saw myself. I saw my future.
0: And I woke up suddenly calm. Wow. Because I knew what the future held for me. Wow. And so I suppose...
1: That's why you know, I, you know, in that looking back to being Fourteen and that time of great, deep distress and unhappiness, that's what I would be proud of because I have achieved what my dream told me I would be.
0: Wow! You know what, Catherine? Right. That is so beautiful. That I'm not even going to ask the last question. I think we, <laughs> I think we need to leave it right there. All right. Now, be- you. before you go, where can people contact you um, if they'd like to have you come out and speak at their organisation or school or event? So,
1: you can Google, I'm number one on the SEO, so just Google Gender Diversity Consultant Sydney <laughs> and I will come up number one and my name's Catherine Wolfgram Graham and you can go to my website. And the website has all of my contact details and, and also look through the website because I do love like being complimented on how nice it looks. And, um, <laughs> well, I spent hours on it, you know. I Absolutely. It myself and I created it myself and it was like, you know, it took it took hours. And, <laughs> and you know, but, um, yeah, and, and there's some interesting things there. I, I do a bit of blogging and, you know, you get an idea of what I think and what I'm up to and what I've been up to. and. Yeah, but just give me give me a call and we'll discuss budgets. Mm-hmm. You know, I I get flown around the country these days, Fabulous. which is quite cool. Yeah, mm. I'm coming down to Melbourne in August to speak at uh, an event. Excellent.
0: Um, Any yeah, Melbourne so. listeners, get in touch quickly if you want to try and expand <laughs> on that time frame. But <laughs>
1: not August twenty because I'm on the board of directors of Wear It Purple, mm-hmm. and that's August twenty nine. Okay. Think it is. And the last weekday of August, the last Friday of August is wear it purple day where you wear purple at school or at, at the office or anything else. So that that's the only day that you can't book me in August.
0: Okay, <laughs> good to know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Yes, well, thank you so much for having me, Yana. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and it's been great to, you know, talk about things and thank you for having questions that I'm not used to answering because, you know, it makes makes an interview far more interesting.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Well, the pleasure is absolutely all mine, Catherine. So thank you so much for joining me and I will put a link to Catherine's website in the show notes for anyone that can't operate Google and just needs a little extra helping hand. (laughs) (laughs) thank you thanks Catherine